From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. A fresh new podcast today, Friday, August 25. Welcoming our FM radio listeners and online at q90fm.com slash listen. And in the studio is uh, also, I have to let you know that Johnny Raider is in here, and he's uh, our video producer on our YouTube videos and also on Rumble at Q90FM Radio on YouTube and CTRN online on Rumble. So you can get a video uh, version of today's podcast. Mary Danielson back in the studio. Yes, good morning. Uh Glad everybody joined us today. My guest today is Jeff Wigan. Uh, he and his family live in Madison, and he is a Dane County Board Supervisor. And knowing what we know about the politics of Madison, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about today. So I will open, as usual, with a scripture and prayer, and then introduce my guest. My scripture this morning is Romans 5, 1 to 5. A classic verse, just a, a real standard of our faith. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Oh, Lord, we do rejoice in that hope, and we thank and praise you that we can navigate the difficulties of this life boldly and courageously when everything around us seems to tell us that there is no hope. So thank you for that. Help us rejoice in our sufferings, Lord. This is difficult for us. But to also understand that they are uh, producing eternal things in all of us, and I pray for that one today uh, who might be listening who is suffering, and we ask for your great grace and comfort to be with them. I pray for Jeff today. I ask that you bless and encourage him in those things that you have given him to do for your glory, that he could shine brightly where he is. Ask for protection for his loved ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeff Wigan, he currently serves as Dane County Board Supervisor representing the 20th District. First elected in a write-in campaign in 2021, Jeff was re-elected to, to a full two-year term in 2022. He is effectively the only conservative on a 37-member board. He serves on Public Protection Judiciary Committee, which provides funding oversight to the Sheriff's Office, District Attorney, Courts, Corporation Council, Medical Examiner, Emergency Management, 911 Call Center, Pretrial Services, and Insurance Claims. Jeff and his wife Melissa and their five kids are active members of Calvary Chapel Madison, where they serve in a number of ministries, including children's ministry and we know every church needs those so god bless you for that jeff welcome to stand up for the truth that's great to be with you mary thank you so much for having me yeah um i want to ask you a little bit um just to open up here about life in madison uh since covid and you know if i recall a lot of protests there were a lot of protests in may of 2020 um i know some of that has to do with george floyd and maybe just frustration with uh lockdowns and that sort of thing, but it damaged upwards of 75 buildings and businesses in the State Street area, and I've been to Madison many, many times. I know exactly where that is. 
just give us a little bit of an idea. I mean, how have businesses fared since then? We haven't heard anything about uh, life in Madison these days since COVID. How are things doing down there? It's interesting because for a while there, there was a lot of businesses that were still boarded up in State Street. Mm -hmm. And there still actually are a couple, but remarkably, a lot of them have come back and actually kind of contrary to maybe common sense, they have come back. And I think it's just (laughs) a lot of money in Madison. There's a lot of money to be made. And I think people, some people are willing to to put up with it and and risk having their entire business smashed. But I think if you walk down State Street, you can still find some of those businesses still boarded up, Hmm. which is kind of remarkable all these years later. Yeah. But I think most have recovered and most are willing to to put up with the the risk, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's such a great business district anyway, right near the Capitol. And um, good for them, you know, because a lot of cities didn't fare that well, especially um, other blue cities. Uh, how does Madison compare with other blue cities? There seems to be a lot of degradation in a lot of liberal cities regarding homelessness and hostility toward law enforcement. Law enforcement. And I, I was going to ask you, what what's the state of the union? But actually, I was going to say, what's the state of the onion? But <laughs> <laughs> so how are things, if people know what The Onion is, it's a famous Madison uh, media that is uh, parodies and satire and, and that sort of thing. So um, anyway, how... how and, and now, know, nowadays, you can't really tell if it's if you're reading The Onion or if you're reading real news these days. Isn't it? Uh, it's a little scary, though, isn't it? It, it is. It, it, you open up the paper and it's like, well, what am I going to read today? Yeah. What, what craziness is happening today? Well, maybe they've just pulled the wool over our eyes all these years and it really is the truth. I mean, you know. Stranger than fiction. So how how well, does Madison fare when it, when it comes to like law enforcement um, and that sort of thing and and defunding or is Madison anywhere near there in that sort of a blue city kind of environment? It, it, it absolutely is. You know, mm-hmm. we actually used to have a pretty decent police chief in the city of Madison named Mike Colwell, and you know he wasn't by any stretch of the imagination like this far right or far left police chief he was just kind of you know this kind of center of the road guy that wanted to do his job and he got so fed up he actually left um and it's really kind of a shame you know the the mayor wasn't supporting him he would go to the mayor he'd go to the common council he'd ask for support and they would continuously say no we're not going to give you the support you need and so he ultimately left and now we have a police chief in madison who you know really doesn't care about enforcing laws you know Mm. You know, one of the things maybe we'll talk about later, there was a naked bike ride. They let a little yes. 10-year-old girl ride naked right in Madison. Mm-hmm. Madison Police Department, they don't care. Nothing to see here. Wow. Nothing to do. Years ago, they actually, the first time they tried that naked bike ride in Madison, I don't remember exactly how many years ago this was, but several years ago, they actually did, you know, hand those people citations, you know, the people that were participating. Mm-hmm. And since then, the Madison City Council changed ordinances and now, um, there was an older person who's now the mayor. Um, she has made it one of her life's missions to basically allow public nudity. And um, so now they're not enforcing any of those statutes or any of those laws. Basically, you can you can do whatever you want uh, in Madison and, and probably you'll get away with it. Wow. Yeah, I do see the article uh, here. Wisconsin police say no one will face charges for a young nude girl participating with adults in naked bike ride. It says here, the world naked bike ride is about protesting oil dependency and celebrating the power of an individuality of our bodies. I'm not sure I quite get that, Jeff. <laughs> it, well, it, it, you won't because yeah. it's not logical. It doesn't right. make any sense. Right. Um, and, you know, it's just it's disgusting. You know, it, mm-hmm. they've been doing it for years. And it's one thing for, you know, adults that want to do something behind closed doors when you take that 
that public nudity into the public square, you're actually violating other people's rights. You're violating my rights, my family's rights. You know, it's it's lewd, it's indecent. And then to make matters worse, Mary, they, they let, and I think this is the first time they've done it, I don't know, but I think this is the first time they let a 10-year-old girl participate. They paraded her around. She was leading the parade, this naked bike ride parade, around Capitol Square. Wow. 10 years old. Wow. And the police did nothing. Absolutely nothing. They, in fact, I did a press release, and I, and I called on the police department and the sheriff, Dane County Sheriff, to investigate this and arrest the adults that participated in this activity, especially those that knew the girl was participating. And the sheriff's office did nothing. And the police department, you know, they did a, they, they pencil whipped it, essentially. They, they looked at it and said, well, you know, nothing to see here. And then I kept, you know, I kept following up with them, sending them questions. Hey, did you reach out to the parents? Mm-hmm. Did you, you know, identify any of the people that were literally standing right next to this little girl? Did you identify any of them? And they stopped responding. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's horrible that they would do that, you know, to a member of the public, that they would just stop responding to the public, let alone an elected official. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that they know my worldview and they don't really care to, to support my worldview, but it still is you know, their responsibility to respond to questions. No, they've just completely stopped responding. They don't even care to, to follow up on that issue. Wow. So that's just one of many, yeah. <laughs> many yeah. issues. You ask about the state of affairs in Madison. I mean, it's yeah. you go on and on for no days kidding. just talking about the craziness. Well, the organizer told, um, what is it, a news outlet here, that the participation of children in the Edney event is not an issue at all and has always been our position that minors are perfectly welcome to participate as long as they're accompanied by a parent or legal guardians. So in this case, the parents, it's a helpful thing. In most cases, they don't want the parents to be around or to, to state what they think or have anything to do with anything. Right? Don't you love that? Oh, yeah. Don't you love the double standard? Yeah. yeah. And if it's their worldview, then it, then it's fine. Yeah. Wow. And I, I think about that, that poor child because she is a child and, um, she's going to grow up and no one's going to follow up with her either at that point. I, you know, oof, yeah, it's pretty scary stuff, isn't it? Well, you think about the families, you know, I, I, I can't take my kids downtown anymore. Right. You know, I used to love going to State Street. I used to love going to the farmer's market right around the Capitol. You know, it's beautiful. The Monona Terrace. Mm-hmm. These places are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. God's creation is amazing. And, you know, it's kind of a neat city, but you can't take your family there anymore. Yeah. I would love to take my kids down to the farmer's market. I'm not going to do it because you don't know what they're going to be exposed to. Yeah. You know, it's one of the reasons why my wife and I live in Marshall. It's a small town just outside of Madison. You know, where we actually have police officers that enforce the law and, right. you know, we can do our do our best to keep our kids innocent of these things. Yes. And the worst uh, thing. It's quite a shame. It is. The worst thing at the Madison Farm Market all these years, because I've been going since the early 70s. I have a brother who's been in Madison since then, at uh, the height of the count- counterculture movement there. But the worst thing was to, you'd be accosted by someone telling you how to vote. You know, it was very, very innocuous. And they had their causes. They had their um, petitions. But even up in Appleton, there are uh, these, you know, groups that come around. They do their their gay parades. They do their uh, uh, events, their drag events and all that. And they take it on the road. Jeff, we saw a bus come in, park itself near downtown, let all these performers, quote unquote, off the bus and be in a park that's supposedly family friendly and have their thing. And then they pack it all up and then they'll move to Oshkosh or then they'll move to Green Bay. And I don't know how in the world we can come against this kind of thing, family-friendly, that, you know, who's kidding who on any of this, right? Hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's a mobile brigade, yeah. you know, and there's, 
a lot of it starts in Madison. You know, if you ask these people where they live, it's you know either Milwaukee, Madison, maybe mm-hmm. Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they, they're just professional either protesters or this is just what they do to get in your face. You know, it's always been, you know, they always say, well, just about tolerance, right? You know, mm-hmm. just tolerate me. It's never been about that. It's about dominating and putting this, jamming, jamming this stuff in our face yeah. and yes. jamming it down our throats. And I think we're seeing that more and more these days. Yeah. Well, you have seen your share and uh, being a Christian in politics and government, especially in a liberal bastion like that. Give us some idea, Jeff, what is your journey into politics? What Because it's been several years, right? How, what has God been showing you all this time that you've been in politics? That's kind of a loaded question, but feel free to just to run with that. You know, it's it's so interesting. God is so good. And, you know, just to share a little bit of background to give you context, you know, I got involved in politics you know, about 15 years ago. Okay. And my first job was at the state capitol. I got a, an opportunity to work for a good man. Uh, he was a state senator at the time. Now he's Congressman Glenn Grossman. Oh, sure. And I uh, worked for him for a number of years. I worked for another state senator from Sheboygan, Joe Lipom. And then I also worked for Governor Walker and Governor Walker's administration in various roles at at the DOT and safety and professional services and the Department of Administration. And, you know, this was back in the days when we had this, you know, kind of conservative majority. And, and I was just loving it. I was just in my heyday because I used to believe in this idea of like this moral majority, you know, and if we can just get Republicans elected, if we could just get conservatives elected, oh, we're really going to do some amazing things. We're going to defund Planned Parenthood, and we're going to get everyone off of welfare, and you know, we're going to reduce the size of government and give people their freedoms back. And, you know, politics for me, it, was, it actually became, you know, unhealthy. It became my God. And I think a lot of Christians fall into this. And so I'm glad that I can, you know, share just my story mm-hmm. with you and your listeners and, and hopefully encourage other people to not make the same mistake that I did because, you know, God is good, but, you know, that there's a warning that I can share to your listeners. Don't let politics become your God. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let, you know, don't be so consumed by the next election like I was. You know, I used to eat, sleep, and breathe all, mm-hmm. thing politi- all things politics, every election, all around the state, all around the country. And again, with this false pretense that if we can just get a conservative majority, you know, we'll be able to see, see people come to know the Lord. And, you know, there's, there's an element of truth to that, and I'll, and I'll speak to that a little bit later, but it's fundamentally, it's the Lord's battle, not ours. Yeah. And we need to realize that. And, and I remember sitting, you know, working in Governor Walker's administration and not seeing all these things come to fruition. I was like, man, like, you know, why aren't we defunding Planned Parenthood? Why aren't we seeing people come to know the Lord? Mm-hmm. And it's just because there's this false pretense that politics is going to save people. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus Christ saves people. And there's definitely a role for government. And I remember sitting in church and, you know, my pastor, I'm blessed with not just one pastor, but two pastors that just pour the word, you know, pour into the word and pour into teaching the word to our congregation, which is a total blessing. And I remember we were going through, you know, some of the gospels and reading, you know, you read these, these portions of scripture, like when Jesus was questioned by the Pharisees, you know, he says, you know, the Pharisees asked him, you know, what do you, what do we do? Do we, do we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus said, yeah, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And, you know, that really struck me because, you know, I don't think Jesus was just talking about money. Mm-hmm. I think he was talking about the whole thing, mm-hmm. the whole kit and caboodle, government structure, everything. It's a worldly system. You know, God does institute governments, and, and there's other scriptures that talk about that. But, you know, I remember just sitting in, in, in church and just listening to this and, and just being hit with the fact that, you know what, I have this false hope in government. Mm-hmm. 
uh, this false belief that through government we can we can change people's lives. And it was like I did this complete 180. You know, I was like, it used to be all about politics, you know, 100% into it. And then I just kind of got jaded. And then I read this this scripture and I read what Jesus said, render to Caesars, and I kind of just threw the whole thing away, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I don't think that's right either, though, because I think as, as God is just gracious with me and, and showing me continuously through his word, there is a role for government. Yeah. You know, and we see that in Romans 13. You know, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but from God. God brings powers to be, earthly powers, and God lets earthly powers, you know, fall away. Um, You know, you also read in Daniel chapter 2, you know, he removes kings and he raises up kings. And, you know, it was really cool because just, you know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Jeff, he's teaching through the book of 1 Peter, and there's just such a good reminder because 1 Peter chapter 2 says, you know, we, you know, government's fundamental role, you know, as we read, is to punish evildoers and, and praise those who do good. So in other words, punish evil and reward good. Mm-hmm. That's government's fundamental role. And so it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a journey for me the last 15 years to, you know, from going from, you know, hundred percent, you know, politics is everything to forget politics. It's a total waste of time. And I think God is, is, is really, you know, just shown me through his word that government is not everything, mm-hmm. but God does put leaders in place and government is there to punish evil and reward good. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing nowadays, we're just not seeing that at all. You know, we're not seeing government punish evil. There's laws that are being either ignored or laws that are just being completely removed off the books. And, you know, it's it's just like we see in the end times, they're going to exchange evil for good and good for evil. And, you know, we're seeing that more and more these days. And so, you know, what is our role as Christians in government? You know, I think first and foremost is to pray, you know, to pray for our leaders, to seek the will of the Lord first and foremost. And, you know, government can hold back evil. That is that is our fundamental role as a government entity, whether it's the federal government, state government, school boards, whatever it is, punish evil and reward good. That's our fundamental role. Mm-hmm. And then as a church, our, our job is to basically be the hands and feet of the Lord and share the truth with a lost and dying world, share the gospel with them. And it's really hard to do that as a Christian if you have a government fighting against you, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so in a perfect situation, you'd have a government that punishes evil and rewards good, and then you'd have a church that's actively being the hands and feet of God and and going about and doing His work and being led by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and share the good news with this lost and dying world. Yeah. You know, and it's it's amazing that we still have the freedoms we have in this country. We do have a lot, although they are slowly slipping away. Yeah. And there is, you know, increased persecution that is that is coming here. Yeah. But we still have a lot of freedoms, and there's still a lot of opportunities as Christians, and we need to be just diligent about, about the Lord's work. Absolutely, and I, I, I love what you said about God kind of brought you into a balance in your life, and I, He desires that for all of us, because we all have things to do in this world. We all have opportunities to be salt and light. But, you know, as far as our one-on-one with the Lord, He, he doesn't want any other idols in our hearts, number one. And number two, I think that he just really wants us to uh, understand where our citizenship lies. Uh, and there's a kingdom to come wherein righteousness will dwell. And we have to keep that in mind. We're not going to find righteousness here. I, a lot of people have said lately, well, one election isn't going to overturn this mess. Two elections isn't going to overturn this mess. You know, it's just going to take if, if you know, if right, righteous politicians are kind of like a wrecking ball, which I heard this morning someone was 
was calling Trump the wrecking ball, and, and, and <laughs> the elites don't want their kingdom wrecked. So he represents the wrecking ball because Americans do want that um, that that uh, existential America that they're accustomed to. They want that back. Uh, they can try, but, you know, talk about, you said, calling evil good and good evil. Uh, rewarding good? Rewarding good these days is the proper transgender laws. That's how they reward good. So mm. we are really in a mess, absolutely in a mess. Um, Jeff, the, the Dane County um, transgender sanctuary, speaking of which, transgender sanctuary, Madison. Now, Dane County is what, Madison, like Sun Prairie, um what 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 is Madison exactly? I mean, what is Dane County exactly? What does that cover? Yeah, we're the second largest county in the entire state. We're about five hundred thousand okay. people, and Madison represents about half of that. Okay, but then some other larger municipalities you mentioned: it's Sun Prairie, Verona, Middleton, okay, Stoughton, you know, uh, Fitchburg. You know, there's okay. a lot of other municipalities in in Dane County, and they have spread too. In all my years of going to Madison since 1970, just seeing all of these all the sprawl down there, a lot of the skin around Madison hasn't changed. As you're coming in to Madison, there's some businesses that are still there, have been there forever. But then when you go outward, there is a lot more, a lot more people. Uh, they've built a lot of condos and neighborhoods and that sort of thing. But tell me about a little bit about this transgender uh, sanctuary. Wasn't Madison, isn't Madison the first city in the country to, to be considered a, a, a transgender sanctuary city? Yeah, the first county, actually. So we just county. actually recently passed this just a few months back on the county board. And thankfully, it was largely ceremonial, so there really, really mm-hmm. wasn't a legislative practical component to this. Okay. But symbolically, it's horrible, Mary, because what the Dane County Board did was pass a resolution basically telling anyone that's transgender, come to Dane County, including children. Wow. There was no exception for children. And, you know, change, trying to change your God-given gender, you, you can't do it. I mean, you, you can try, but you're never going to be able to do it. You know, your gender is assigned by the Lord. And, you know, it's one thing for an adult who is, you know, mature enough to make this decision, although it would be a very foolish decision to do that. But when they passed this resolution, they didn't say anything about children. They didn't make any exemption for children. In fact, this resolution called for sending a letter to all the school boards in the entire county, encouraging them to give them, quote, gender-affirming care. And, you know, basically supporting whatever decision that this child wants to do, school board, let them do it. You know, and so the message that this sent to every elected official in Dane County was horrible. And the message that it sent to the rest of the state and the rest of the country, hey, come to Madison. We'll let you mutilate your children. We'll let you try to change your God-given gender. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just horrible, but it's just another example of, just the evilness that comes from this place. You know, there's a lot of people in Madison, Dane County, that just hate the Lord. They hate his design, and they're doing mm-hmm. everything they can to buck it. Mm. They won't. They can't. You know, you can't change God's design. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny that they think they can. You know, I, I kind of joke, you know, they're trying to change. You know, they try to change the definition of marriage. You, you can't. They try to change the definition of a gender. You can't. You know, what are they going to try to change next? Are they going to try to change the definition of gravity? They're going to say gravity doesn't exist. Or are they going to say, well, instead of a seven-day week, now we have a six-day week? Well, you can't do that. You know, I mean, God's design is so intricately woven into this world that he made. Yeah. But they're certainly trying. They're not going to go down kicking, you know, they're going to go down kicking the streaming, screaming without a, you know, with a fight, that's for sure. But, yeah, the transgender thing was just really, really sad because, again, it just sent the wrong message. Yeah, absolutely. The article I have here, and this happened in June, 
Madison City Council votes unanimously in favor of city becoming sanctuary for transgender and non-binary people. It says, largely a a symbolic measure that would nonetheless, I love that nonetheless, urge law enforcement to avoid enforcing any future laws seen as targeting these groups. Okay, so let's let's put a little symbolic handcuff on the police, right? Because... uh, you know, you're just you're just tightening the noose on what people can and cannot do. And it says, uh, uh, after a similar modeled after a similar resolution passed overwhelmingly Thursday by the Dane County Board of Supervisors, the city's resolution seeks to protect um, transgender non-binary access to gender affirming care, including puberty blockers, hormones, and surgery. Really, so the government uh, wants to stick its hand into medical procedures. I, I think that's a little bit of a problem, but we just read, we read past that, right? I mean, it, it doesn't strike as odd anymore, but this is medical procedures that the government's getting involved in. It's crazy. And like you said, you know, they said, you know, the Madison Police Department said, well, if the parent let that little girl ride naked in mm-hmm. the background, then that's fine. But wait a second. Now, when it comes to kids wanting to change their gender, well, parents, you step aside, you know, we'll step in mm-hmm. as a school board and we'll step in as a government and, and we'll, we'll handle this. So just the inconsistency, again, it just depends on whatever agenda they're trying to push. But it's it's really sad. I mean, you know, what did Jesus say about the people that harm children? You know, oh. it would be better for a millstone to be tied around their neck and cast into the sea than, than to cause a child to stumble. And, you know, what are we doing? You know, this is what we're seeing. And you just wonder how much grace God's going to continue to pour out on this country if yeah. we continue to go down this path. Yeah, don't you wonder uh, at what point uh, does God have to judge because it's just it's gotten horrible. And there's another um, another headline: more blue states declare themselves sanctuaries for transgender healthcare. So it's spreading like wildfire. Of course, last year California became the first state to declare itself a sanctuary. It has since been joined by Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New Jersey, New Mexico, Vermont, and Washington. And then city-wise, New York City, Kansas City, West Hollywood. Um, uh, it says these states and cities are emerging as havens with legal protections to shield health care providers. Okay, so now we got to mm. protect the health care providers, but we're not protecting the kids. Oh, Jeff, <laughs> what in the world? Um, yeah, and that, that was another issue that the Dane County Board, it's just kind of funny. We, When you think about what, what does a county board do, you mm-hmm. know, if you just ask, Joe Blow on the street. Hey, what does the county board do? Yeah. You might be able to get, well, maybe they like build roads and maybe they like fund the sheriff and stuff like that. And all those things are true, but none of them would say, you know, I think the county board's role is to push transgender issues and to, you know, pontificate on these issues. And, you know, what happened recently, there was a health provider down here in Madison that is predominantly owned by the Catholic church and are really controlled by the Catholic church. And, and they didn't want to provide gender surgeries anymore. Hmm. And so they sent out a note saying they're not going to do it anymore. And what does the Dane County Board do? They condemn them. They sent out a letter condemning this health wow. plan for, for the discontinuing of these, these surgeries. And it's really sad that they were doing them in the first place, but at least they've stopped, which is good. Yeah. And so what does the county board do? Well, we condemn you, you know, and and we're going to do everything we can to fight you. And it's like, well, why is the county board getting involved yeah. in that? Why is that a county board issue? Yeah, that's my question. You know, it, it seems like they would be involved in state parks and that sort of thing. And <laughs> right. Wow. Jeff, we have a, uh, uh, about a minute or so till we have a break. We'll have a two-minute break here coming up shortly at 929. But also there are five states. This is interesting. Alabama, Florida, Idaho, 
North Dakota and Oklahoma have made it a felony to provide gender-affirming care to minors. In other states, laws range from banning the use of public funds or state property to provide care or promote social transitioning to prohibiting out-of-state providers from delivering telehealth care. So it's there's a little there's always little pockets of civil war in this country, right? And people may end up moving to some of these other uh, states. I I don't know what's going to happen with that, but. Um, it's just so fascinating to see, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of differences over time, your 15 years, what, um, you know, b- county boards do and what we all think they probably shouldn't do. So uh, this is Mary Danielson. We're on Stand Up for the Truth here. We're talking to Jeff Wigan, and he's a Dane County supervisor. And I want to talk in the next segment, Jeff, about um, Dane County's obsession with even more liberal causes, abortion, homosexuality, uh, drug use, that sort of thing. Um, and I'm sure you've seen your share of persecution, so we will talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, I want to talk about, oh, I want to talk about two-minute cities because uh, Madison has been suggested, two-minute, 15-minute cities, <laughs> I'm thinking two minutes. Madison has been suggested to possibly be a 15-minute city, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Again, this is Mary Danielson, Jeff Wigan from Dane County Government with us. So we're going to take a break for a couple of minutes for our sponsors And we will be back shortly. Check out the upcoming tab at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Ken Ham joins us next week on Stand Up For The Truth. J.B. Hickson, Kitty Foth-Regner, and a very special guest going to be on a fresh new podcast. Uh, That's the upcoming tab at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Also, click that subscribe button to get our newsletter on Fridays. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our Truth at Any Cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. We're talking to Jeff Wigan, Dane County Supervisor in Madison. And Jeff, I was looking at a list of, I wanted to see where Madison lined up, okay, as most liberal cities. Because, I mean, we've called it the, the Berkeley of the Midwest for a long, long time. I think Rush Limbaugh even called it that. But if you look at a list of the most liberal cities in 2023, and this website is worldpopulationreview.com, and I looked at several websites, Madison doesn't even make the top 20, which I gotta tell you really surprised me. San Francisco, uh, <clears throat> the most, the most liberal city in the U.S., followed by Washington, D.C., Seattle, Oakland, Boston, Minneapolis, Detroit, New York, Buffalo, Baltimore, Chicago, Portland, St. Paul, Austin, St. Louis, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, and Denver. And Madison didn't make the top 20, which really surprised me. But I think some of the criteria would be the level of minority activism there, the the voting record. Um, and I look at the voting record, of course. Um, the, the voting record in Dane County, 75.5% of the people voted Democrat in the last election, presidential election, 229 voted for Republican, 1.7 independent. And then so, and then the last presidential election, of course, they, they stayed true to their ideology, 75% Democrat. And then it says Dane County voted Democratic in every presidential election since 2000. I thought that was a little bit interesting. Does that surprise you a little bit that Madison doesn't even cut the top 20? That actually is a little bit surprising. And the only thing I can think of is that the rest of the state is pretty, you know, I would just kind of say more middle middle of the road, maybe a little bit conservative. Right. And maybe that just helps the the influence, you know, kind of dilutes, you know, the potency of of Dane County and Madison. (laughs) 
What well, that does the- surprise me because you walk around the city and you just you can feel and you sense the godlessness. Yeah, you can I mean, feel. I remember it. the first time yeah. coming here and I rode my bike in Mass and I just you get this weird feeling about you. It just feels not some, like something is off. That's absolutely is true. not right. That is absolutely true, and I, I'm glad that it's not just me because uh, my hubby and I would walk around Madison. We do State Street, the farm market, and that sort of thing, and, and we would comment on that. You can feel the darkness there. It's just, and I know there's hope. There's there's a Calvary Chapel there, and there are other believers there. So God has His people there. God has you there, and Jeff there, and Candy, and all the other people there. So we praise the Lord for that, and He's using you guys, which is wonderful. Uh, Dane County, uh, like you had said to me earlier on, they're obsessed with abortion and homosexuality and drug use and that sort of thing. Uh, you said there are a lot of abortion resolutions. Is that what you said that have been passed? Like a lot of them. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It, it, it Especially when I was first elected, because this was, you know, leading up to the Dobbs decision and then shortly thereafter the Dobbs decision. So this was like super, um, you know, super hyper, you know, issue for a lot of the liberals in, in the Dane County area. And so it was just like, Every couple of months at the county board, we were passing these resolutions in support of abortion and in support of a, a woman's right, quote unquote, to choose. And, you know, abortion care is what they call it. Right. And so mm-hmm. all these resolutions and they're just obsessed with it. They're obsessed with, you know, bowing down to this. It's almost it's like an idol to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the killing of innocent babies. And it's almost like a competition uh, amongst a lot of the board members who can be more progressive. Ugh. And, and who can win the, the support of Planned Parenthood more than, than the previous person. But the, the, the kicker for me, the, the culmination of all these resolutions, and there was, I actually lose count here because it's just like, it, there's so many of them. Um, most of them are, are largely ceremonial, which is good, you know, but still wrong. But the one that actually had consequences that really I think was, you know, politically and policy-wise not a good move was leading up to the November election, they were concerned that there might be a conservative elected as, as attorney general, a conservative elected as governor. So they actually passed a resolution prohibiting Dane County from contracting with any government entity that enforces Wisconsin's abortion ban. And wow. what this would effectively do is it would have said that if, you know, a Republican governor wins, Republican attorney general, that we cannot, Dane County will do nothing with them. We will not contract with them. We will have no business with them. And, on one hand, it was really bad that they would do that. But on the other hand, I thought, well, this is actually kind of good because if we are prohibited from contracting with, let's say, a Republican administration, then that means we can't get any money from the state. <laughs> and if you know anything about counties, oh. the majority of our funding comes from the state and federal government. You know, only a fraction of our money actually comes from local taxes. Most of the money is coming from the state. And so I thought, well, this is great. You know, we'll actually just be able to defund Dane County then <laughs> and stop from, from doing all these liberal policies. Wow. But that's how extreme they are. They'll stop at nothing to, you know, to kill innocent babies and, and to take away those lives. Wow. Um, and you could just go on and on about all the resolutions they passed. Well, they had a lot of blood on their hands. Yeah, I see one article here. It says, the Dane County Board of Supervisors passed an ordinance Thursday, and this would have been, um, bah, 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 uh, oh, this would last fall. Okay. Um, from signing contracts with businesses investigating, arresting, and or prosecuting violators of Wisconsin's abortion ban. Now residents are left wondering how the ordinance will affect the county, and you kind of just filled us in on all that. Uh, it prohibits the county from signing contracts with agencies that are responsible for funding investigations or prosecutions and penalizing vi- I wonder who lays in bed at night and thinks this stuff up. 
Mm. You know, even the wording of it, I had to read it several times and go, what? You know, what are they actually saying? Uh, so I appreciate any light that you can shed on that. Um, and then Josh Call, I guess a lot of it has to do with this 1849 abortion ban. And I had wondered um, about a year ago or so, where, how is that going to work with Wisconsin? Because didn't Roe kind of cancel that out? And there have been various things along the way that have, have pushed that into the, you know, the abyss of, of history. But now that has risen back up to the front, forefront. So where are we at with that abortion ban? And Wisconsin, basically, that is on the books, right? It is on the books. Um, you know, it's, you know, we'll see what the Wisconsin Supreme Court does now that the, mm. the court kind of flipped from a conservative majority to a liberal majority. But, you know, even though Roe v. Wade was kind of the quote unquote law of the land, Wisconsin kept our state statute with prohibited okay. abortions. Okay. And it was always there and there was never any cleanup of our statutes to get rid of it. And that was, you know, huh. praise the Lord for that. It was no just kidding. a protection that kept that there all those years. And so that meant that mm. as soon as the Supreme Court, you know, turned this back to the states with the Dobbs decision, that Wisconsin's ban was, was in effect. So praise the Lord for that. Now, the concern that I have, and I think a lot of other people have, is, you know, there's a new Supreme Court justice that just flipped the, the, the Supreme Court in Wisconsin to mm-hmm. be more liberal. And um, her name is Janet Protozawitz. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see if you know, what, what the court does with that. Now, the interesting thing about Janet Protozawitz, for your listeners, she historically, prior to being a Supreme Court justice, where she was just sworn in just a few weeks ago, she historically has, you know, basically defaulted to precedent, meaning if a court had already taken up an issue on a given topic, you know, recently, she would not vote to bring it back up and rehash it. She would let precedent ride and, and let that, that prior ruling, whatever that ruling was, she would let that stay. That's historically been her opinion, her position. That's how she's ruled as a, ju- as a judge in Milwaukee. Okay. Now, fast forward to now, let's see what she does. And let's, let's really put, you know, let, let's you know, ask her that question. Are you going to continue to be a judge that lets precedent ride? If, if that's the mm-hmm. case, then you would leave Wisconsin's abortion ban in place and you would not overturn it. So it'd be really interesting to see what happens um, with that in the coming months. But that, uh, that's going to be a topic that, that gets debated along with a lot of other topics. Um, you know, photo ID for voting, um, Wisconsin's legislative district maps. You know, there's a whole mm-hmm. slew of issues that are going to be brought forward at the, uh, at the Supreme Court in Wisconsin. And it's going to be an interesting time. Absolutely. Now, the legislature is still conservative in Wisconsin. Is that correct? I wouldn't. Say, I wouldn't say conservative. I would say that this is a Republican majority. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's um, a much better way I, to put it. Yeah. There's a Republican majority both okay. in the Senate and and the Assembly. <laughs> so and, an asterisk you know, next to everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's <laughs> insane. And then Attorney General, is it still Josh Call? Yeah, it and is. he's okay. not a not a good Attorney General. That's for sure. Well, he's going to do everything he can to overturn that abortion. Ban. Okay. Yeah, because he and Evers seem to be. Uh, cozy about that because he had complained about um uh, you know the the 1849 abortion ban and it says calls complaint which is supported by governor governor evers argues that the 1849 ban is not enforceable because it conflicts with statutes that were enacted after it and i remember when we first had the lockdowns and the masks and all that uh josh call seemed to come out against all that and so i think a lot of us thought well you know, he's he's got his thinking cap on, and then all of a sudden it seemed like, no, 
No, I think that this is, um, he is definitely a liberal, and that was a little bit of a surprise to me, but I don't know why it should surprise me at all. So, yes, Madison, of course, would be high, um, highly uh, motivated to continue on the abortion thing there. And also, a little bit question for you about um, uh, the homosexuality thing. I know there was a Pride Festival on the 20th. Where was that? Uh, Warner Park in Madison. Are there? Is this ongoing? Because, you know, it was all year. Now it's all year. It used to be June. June was Pride Month, but that ship has sailed. I, I think June actually is Raise Money for Pride Causes Month. This is this telethon. I call it a telethon. That's what June is, <laughs> to fill the coffers of the causes and the transgender and pride thing. And then the rest of the year, um, there's another festival, like I said, on Sunday. I think there's one coming up this Sunday. Is it pretty much constant down there in Madison? It's just nonstop. I yeah. mean, it, there's there's always some kind of festival, some kind of, you know, debauchery going on. You just can't keep up with it because it's, it's literally happening every day. Wow. And uh, Dane County is no different in terms of supporting that. You know, a lot of times, again, just similar to the abortion issue, there's resolutions that the county board passes on a regular basis in support of, of homosexuality, you know, June being Pride Month. You know, it used to be the Dairy Month. Whatever happened to that? Know. You know, we're the Dairy State. You know, why can't we go back to that? Yeah. But they've completely taken that over. And, and like you said, it's not just enough to have a month. They have to have you have to have everything. You know, it, it, in Dane County, we... One of the things that we own is the Dane County Zoo. Dane County Board has oversight over that. Okay. And so, of course, you know, we got to have the, the, the drag shows and the, the pride events out at the, the county zoo. You know, we got to do that. And you, again, Mary, you just can't keep up with it. Every day it's something different, something new. Yeah, a zoo of another kind, right? Um, mm-hmm. Human trafficking in Wisconsin, I know um, statistics here. I mean, nationally, okay, um, there are 20 to 40 million victims of human trafficking today. Okay, so Wisconsin, it's a little bit worrying. The National Human Trafficking Hotline identified 95 human tra- trafficking cases in 2021, 98 in 2020, 96 in 2019. Uh, sex trafficking numbers are higher than labor trafficking. Uh, and it says the most common venues are, are pornography, hotel-based prostitution, residence-based prostitution. And it also gives you you know, what to look for. What, what's your take on trafficking in Wisconsin? Is it steadily increasing in the numbers? No, it's only increasing, unfortunately. You know, it's estimated, and these are really hard statistics to come by because a lot of times the victims yeah. are so fearful to come forward. Sure. But on a conservative basis, I think the numbers that I, I believe there's at least 1,600 cases in the state of Wisconsin. Wow. You know, predominantly a lot of these are going to be obviously in your bigger cities, the main corridors, mm-hmm. the interstates, things like that. Mm-hmm. And Madison is a hotbed for it. Um, we yeah. are fortunate. We have one detective on the Dane County Sheriff's Office that is 100% dedicated to human trafficking. Mm. And I met with him about a year ago, and I said, what do you need? You know, what do you need to do your job more effectively? And he just told me, he said he's overwhelmed. He said, you, you talk to one victim, and you get 15 more leads. And then you talk to those 15 leads, and then they give you 15 more people to contact. And it's an endless, endless effort yeah. to get to the bottom of these sick these cases and then you have the problem of the victim is fearful for their life mm-hmm. you know we were actually we had a public hearing on this topic i can't believe we were successful in doing this the lord just opened up an opportunity we actually had a public hearing on this topic at my request on the committee that i'm on we heard from a mother who had a son who got involved in, in trafficking down here in madison he you know was in a strip club here in madison and he was approached by traffickers and as a teenage boy, he got sucked into it, and he was trafficked, ultimately murdered 
by his traffickers. And it happened all here in Madison, in Dane County. And it started here because he was just hanging out at a strip club and got involved with the wrong crowd. crowd. And then before you know it, drugs are involved, money's involved, and then you can't get out. And then you're mm-hmm. stuck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you basically become, you know, a tool for these evil people to do these evil things. And it's huge. So you talk to the detective here in the sheriff's office. It's rampant. It's happening everywhere. You talk to the, the former sheriff, um, Dave Mahoney, who's, who's big on this topic. It's happening everywhere. And so what I did last year, I said, okay, detective, um, what do you need? He said, I need support. I need crime analysts, and I need another detective to help me in this fight. So I said, great. I rolled up my sleeves. I introduced some budget amendments. I found some vacant positions within the county that had been vacant for over a year. And I said, okay, we're going to convert these vacant positions into crime analysts and another detective in the sheriff's office. And I brought that amendment forward to the committee that I'm on. And what do you know? It failed six to one. Mm. <laughs> I was the only one to vote for it because there's this whole idea of you can't have more law enforcement, right? Law enforcement's not the solution. Mm. You know, instead we need to have more housing and, and more government programs. And, mm. and those things are really things that the church should be involved in. The church is supposed to be reaching out to victims and supporting victims and giving them counseling, biblical counseling, yeah. and helping them get their careers, you know, their lives back put together, helping them find jobs. Yeah government's job again we go back to first peter is to punish evil and reward good right. our job as government is to arrest the perpetrators right and there's this belief on the at least in the county board that no hmm. we're not going to do that instead we're going to create more programs we're going to create more housing and you know we're not going to get the results that we want because we're not following god's design god's design is for government to punish evil and that's what we should be doing we should be arresting the perpetrators yeah. locking them up you know, we we actually heard from there's a couple of uh, detectives also in the city of Madison that are that are dedicated to human trafficking as well, thankfully. And he, one of the detectives actually shared that you know when you can arrest a perpetrator, get them behind bars, it gives the victims a window of opportunity to get out. Right. You know, even if that perpetrator is only behind bars for an hour, maybe two hours, maybe a day, whatever it is, then that's the opportunity for us to swoop in rescue those victims that are trapped in that and then get them into housing, get them into the support and care that they need. But if government isn't doing its job of arresting the perpetrators, you're never going to see this problem go away. Yeah. Yeah, humans really are incapable of governing themselves, aren't they? Because there never seems to be any common sense anymore and the best way to handle. But I like what you said about the churches. I mean, talk about rescuing. This is the ultimate rescue is to present them with the gospel and and human kindness and, and help them get back on their feet um, there's uh, the article that I read from Common Avenues of Human Trafficking in Wisconsin. It says false job opportunities. That's interesting. Seduction and romance, sale by family and relatives, which I cannot fathom. False mm. promises about educational or travel opportunities. I know that's common. Mm. Abduction, forced pregnancy. I mean, the numbers that you give, it's worse than I thought actually in Wisconsin, but my understanding is it's a corridor actually, a national corridor, Madison, Milwaukee, that whole area, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- that it is only going to get worse, like you said, because people aren't, there's no consequences and people are making a lot of money off of their fellow human beings. It's just enough to t- turn your stomach, isn't it? It is. And you think about the traffickers, like you said, they are making a lot of money. They have deep pockets and they mm-hmm. know that. And so they know that in order for us to bring a case against them, we have to have a ton of evidence. Yeah. And yeah. So that's why we need more people in law enforcement to right. dig into this, because a lot of it's electronic d- data. And for one detective in a, in a huge county, the second most populous county in the entire state, to pour through all these records is impossible. He's going to get nowhere, and he's going to go to court, and he's going to get 
you know, he's going to get his case thrown out. So that's why we need more law enforcement in this area. You know, Mm -hmm. we need more people to do that. And then again, the church needs to step up. Now, thankfully, in Madison, Dane County, we've got some awesome believers that are doing just that. But they need support. You know, they can support the victims. But eventually, you want the victim list to dry up. You know, you want the perpetrators behind bars so that there are no more victims. But in the meantime, there are a number of victims, and there's awesome, you know, there's a group that I've come to know over the last years, the Teo community. They're doing just that. They're actually in the process right now of building residential housing for women. And if they have kids, they can have their kids come there, too. And they'll get healing. Mm -hmm. They'll get, you know, shared, you know, they're going to share the gospel with them. They're going to give them a physical place to stay. They're going to help them get their lives put back together. And that's exactly the role of the church, to support those victims and share the gospel. That's something that the, the government can't do because government is so big and clunky. And we've got all these rules and, and strings attached. We can't properly support victims. We're just fundamentally not set up for that. But what we can do is we can arrest the perpetrator. We're really good yeah. at that, and that is our role. Yeah, well, lawlessness will abound in the last days, and I think it's taking forms that we did not anticipate. Now, you had, uh, you've had some intolerance shown you (laughs) and putting it politely there in your role there have you had probably not threats necessarily but what are what are some of the things that people have i'm sure they don't well how do people treat you when when you are the lone uh, conservative voice there they don't treat me very well (laughs) um you know and, and i have to say this all with the preface that you know, when we, you know, we're actually teaching the book of Acts to our kids in mm. Sunday school right now, and, and you read, um, you know, you read the like the Voice of the Martyrs magazine, and you see what our brothers and sisters around the world are going through, yeah. and it really puts things into perspective. Sure. So, you know, anything that I'm dealing with here in America, it's nothing mm-hmm. compared to what our brothers and sisters in the Middle East and, and in Asia and other parts of the world are going through. But having said that, there has been a lot of opposition, and, you know, just some examples that you might find interesting— you know, someone, I got a thank you card in the mail um, maybe a couple of months ago. And I thought, oh, this is kind of nice. You know, I opened up the thank you card, and it's from the Satanic Temple. And it says, um, thank you for your donation to the Satanic Temple. You know, because of your contribution, we will be able to continue to do ritualistic abortions at the Samuel Alito's mom's abortion clinic. So someone actually donated to the Satanic Temple in my name. You know, they said, on behalf of Jeff Wigan, I'm going to donate to your your cause, and they're going to supposedly continue to do ritualistic abortions. And so that was just, you know, gut-wrenching, disgusting. Have a nice day, You know, and then (laughs) I I also got something in the mail the other day. It's kind of funny, you know, if you send something in the mail without a return address and you don't have enough postage, the postage, you know, the post office will just reach out to that, uh, recipient and say, "Hey, you got to collect this this uh, mm-hmm. this mail, and if you want it, you got to pay the rest of the postage." So I went down to the post office and I thought, "Well, this is kind of risky." Someone sent me this big package, and there was twenty eight dollars uh, due on the <gasps> postage. <laughs> and I thought, "Do I risk it? Do I pay the postage, and do I get this package and open it up?" So I did. I paid the twenty eight bucks, and inside was just a bunch of homosexual flyers. Oh and, my goodness! Um, you know brochures and pamphlets on how to come out as a transgender and and all these different things and so needless to say that was the worst 28 hours i've ever sent i've ever spent (laughs) but but they knew what they were doing right they wanted me to pay money to receive these these homosexual flyers oh my goodness and you know the other one was the freedom from religion foundation i was you know i had the opportunity to to be interviewed by fox news and i was just able to share a lot of things from the word and they really took offense to that and they said you know your role as a county board supervisor is not to you know, share the gospel, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they demanded that I apologize. And, 
you know, kind of threatened me to do that in my role as a county board supervisor. Wow. So there's been a lot of a lot of opposition. You know, certainly the folks that are on the board don't appreciate me being there either, you know, exposing the, the lies and, and the evil that they are pushing. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, what did Jesus say, right? I mean, they, if they, they hate you, they yeah. hated me first. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's an honor to be used and, and, and to be a part of his kingdom. So. Well, Freedom from Religion Foundation, they've been around in Madison since the late 70s, and I, I, I saw the, the, the first person who headed up, I saw them on talk shows quite a bit back then. I mean, they come against. It's not. It's one thing to just be liberal. It's another thing to actively come against other people's beliefs, uh, the so-called separation of church and state thing. But you know, some of the things they come against and they work against is a church being used as a polling location because oh my, someone might see a religious symbol and it might trigger them, and so that's a problem. Uh, churches should not be used as polling places. Um, Churches should not do any political lobbying. A tax exemption of churches. They ask questions like, "How?" That means churches have way too much money in their coffers because they're not paying taxes. So that's just a non sequitur of the worst kind. <laughs> church bulletin discounts. Restaurants cannot give uh, discounts if you bring in your church bulletin. A.D. Year of Our Lord. We can't put A.D. on anything. Uh, holiday displays. Blah blah blah. The usual. Um, churches. No prayers at government meetings. Good Friday. Nothing should ever be closed for Good Friday. Immigration oaths, um, oaths on the Bible, all these sort of things. This is what they spend their time spinning their wheels on. And that is in Madison, Freedom From Religion Foundation. So um, just encourage everybody to pray for Jeff and things like this that go on there. Jeff, we only have two minutes left, which is just amazing. This has gone so fast. Uh, one kind of humorous thing, you know, because they're, they're looking for these 15-minute cities. And uh, someone said that um, actually 15-minute cities should not have – Beef or dairy or cars. So we have to tell people what they can eat in these 15-minute cities. But somebody said that out of all the potential 15-minute cities where everything is within 15 minutes, your coffee shop, <laughs> your um, schooling, your hospitals, everything in life should be a walk or a bike right away. Somebody said that Madison should uh, meet that criteria as number 20 on the list to be one of the best potential 15-minute cities. Um, you only have one minute, Jeff. I can imagine that's not going to happen in Madison. Uh, yeah, that one, that wouldn't work anywhere. I don't know why, I don't know why someone would think that would work anywhere, but, um, yeah, that's just the craziness. That's just the, the, the foolishness of the world. But I'll just say this, Mary, you know, in second Chronicles seven fourteen, you know, God says this, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. That's what we need to be doing as Christians. You know, you, you hear about all this craziness happening in, in Madison, Dane County, in the Fox Valley, everywhere around this entire state, around the whole country, we just need to get on our knees. Yeah, we need to yeah. pray. We need to seek the Lord. We need to repent. Absolutely. And God, forgive us. You know, please give us your mercy. Well, thank you, Jeff, so much. And I would encourage people to pray for people like Jeff in government because they do not have an easy job. Uh, they have a worldview. Um, God has given this wisdom and knowledge on their hearts, and they really desire to serve the Lord in these positions. And, and the church is still here. While we're still here, let's make the most of the time. So thank you so much, Jeff. Um, we're so glad you came on, and Lord bless you in everything you're doing. Lord bless your family, um, and just have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. Great to be with you. All right. So uh, end of another podcast. Share it with your friends. Share it on your social media. We are we are a shadow band on social media. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.